to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. It's uh, 11.42. Fascinating to me the degree to which how many people uh, and even uh, people in leadership uh, positions are not fully aware or understanding of how uh, vaccines work. Uh, We're going to shift gear. Uh, Human Rights Watch is calling for a probe into uh, human rights abuses in the Tigrayan conflict. Uh, They say the United Nations Human Rights Council must urgently probe abuses by both sides involved in the Tigrayan conflict in Ethiopia. It has revealed that Tigrayan forces have executed 49 civilians in the towns of Chena and Kobo in the Amhara region in the past two months. The conflict in the Tigray region started in November of last year when Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed ordered an attack on regional forces in retaliation for a strike on a base housing government troops. This uh, following months of tension between Abi and leaders of the Tigrayan People's Liberation Fund, uh, we invited um, Letitia Bader, who is Horn of Africa Director at Human Rights Watch, to have a conversation with us. Let me warn you, there'll be a slight delay in our conversation because Letitia is in Rome and joins me on the line. Good morning, Letitia from South Africa. Thank you so much for your time. Firstly, tell us about the executions. What are some of the reasons behind these executions? Good morning, and and thank you for having me on. So basically, our research looked at events in in late August, early September in two rural towns in, in the Amhara region. So the conflict, as we know, started over a year ago and for the first nine months was mainly in Tigray, but then spread as the Tigrayan forces moved out of the Tigray region into the Amhara and, and the Afar region. Now, like all our reporting on this conflict, it has been very difficult to get out real-time information, largely because of deliberate attempts, notably by the federal Ethiopian government, to restrict real-time reporting. So this is why we're reporting on events which happened several months ago now. But what we found basically was that in the town, town of Chena, um, the Tigrayan forces moved into the town in, in late August. And basically for four or five days, there was initially heavy fighting between the Tigrayan forces and the Ethiopian federal government forces and also Amhara regional forces that were there. The, the federal government forces pulled out. And then for several days, the Tigrayan forces were basically fighting from inside residents. Um, and civilian compounds, which were obviously putting civilians at risk because of, 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 of incoming fire from the Ethiopian federal government. Um, and then we also found evidence that the Tigrayan forces summarily executed at least 26 civilians. Now, in the town of Chenna, I mean, our findings suggest some somewhat different trends to what we found in another um, town of Kobo, in that it, it, it doesn't appear there were clear trends. I mean, the executions were quite arbitrary, and the Tigrayan forces were killing um, men um, for, for different reasons, either um, a, a presumed or alleged fighter or someone who refused to basically slaughter their livestock. I mean, one of the findings which I think had such an impact on these communities was that while, while the Tigrayan forces were inside these towns, they were completely, that um, they were living off these communities who already obviously don't have much in, in the town of Kobo, our findings were quite different in that, 
You know, the Tigrayan forces moved in, controlled Kobo since mid-July. And then on one day in September, um, on September the 9th, they basically tried to disarm farmers in, in, in the local villages around Kobo town. And then the farmers fought back. I mean, this is a region where there has been massive mobilization and federal government and Amhara regional governments have actually called on civilians to mobilize. Mm. So there was fighting between the, the, the farmers and, and Tigrayan forces who pulled out, went back to Kobo, and then they killed at least 23 people in at least four separate incidents we found in that town. So as you can imagine, I mean, there wasn't only the loss from, from the summary executions. We received lists of many more civilians who were killed in that period and, and, and really left these, these communities reeling. Yeah. And speaking of these executions, the understanding is that the executions uh, were done, of course, by the Tigrayan forces in, in the towns that they controlled. But who were they targeting? I mean, as, as I described, I mean, there were, it, it appears that in, in the town of Chenna, it was quite arbitrary. It wasn't very clear from our findings if specific profiles of individuals were targeted. In Kobo, it was much more clearly retaliatory attacks for the, 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 the attacks which the Tigrayan forces had, um, had, had, had come under, basically. Um, and, 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 and this is where, again, I mean, we have since early on in the conflict been calling for uh, a UN-established independent investigation. There are so many dynamics in this conflict, and we have repeatedly said that what we have been documenting is most likely the tip of the iceberg. So it's going to be absolutely essential, and, and it's very relevant as we speak. We're calling on the Human Rights Council to basically establish an independent mechanism with experts who are going to know how to investigate some of these trends further. I mean, we have documented large-scale massacres early on in the conflict, which were much more systematic in the way that civilians were targeted by Eritrean forces, by Ethiopian federal government forces in the Tigray region. But we're really talking about atrocities mounting up again and again, targeting civilians in, in these conflict-affected areas. We understand that uh, Human Rights Watch engaged with some of uh, the witnesses. What did they have to say? So we, we spoke to some of them who were who, who were basically still in these towns, others who had been displaced. I mean, it's important to underline that, as we know, I mean, Tigray has been cut off very much from the world, especially since late June when the federal government forces pulled out of most of Tigray and, and, and the Tigrayan forces controlled this area. And, and so we've ha we have a complete communication blackout with Tigray. But even the Amhara region has been affected by these communication shutdowns. So as we were doing this research, the communications were shut down again. So we have mainly spoken to displaced communities. Now, I think it's important. I mean, these were communities that both lived in fear when the Tigrayan forces were controlling their towns. You know, the, the forces were asking them to, to, to carry supplies, which obviously puts them at risk. As I described, they, they set up and occupied some civilian compounds. Now, that in itself is not a crime if they allow civilians to leave. But we, we had at least one incident where it appeared that the Tigrayan forces were preventing the, the residents of that compound from leaving, which puts them at risk 
from return fire. So the Ethiopian federal government forces had set up in, in a hill near this town of Chenna and were also firing in. So we're really talking about a civilian population caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, and obviously, I think it's important to underline that those who were displaced are then facing, obviously, secondary problems and abuses. And this is something we've been trying to underline, is that while there is an effective siege on Tigray. Access to humanitarian access is more or less impossible right now. Getting supplies in is more or less impossible in Tigray. But, but the general attacks on the humanitarian community, including from the federal government over the last year, is also affecting their ability to respond to the needs in the Amhara region. So we've spoken, obviously, to displaced communities, not only from Chennai and Kobo, but from other areas who are in displaced camps and don't have access to sufficient health care, sufficient food. So as you can imagine, these communities are not only affected by those periods of, of, of very significant abuses, but also by the ongoing abuses and humanitarian needs. We... We are in conversation with uh, Letitia Bada, uh, who is uh, Horn of Africa Director at Human Rights Watch, and we're uh, talking about the probe that uh, they are calling for as Human Rights Watch uh, into the human rights abuses in uh, the Tigrayan conflict. We will continue our conversation with Letitia in a short while. You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. Welcome back at 11.52. Just in case you just joined us, Human Rights Watch is saying the United Nations Human Rights Council has to urgently probe uh, abuses by both sides involved in the Tigrayan conflict in Ethiopia. They have revealed that Tigrayan forces have executed 49 civilians in the towns of Chennai and Kobo in the Amhara region in the past two months. And the conflict by the Tigrayan region, as you know, started in November last year when Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed ordered an attack on regional forces in retaliation for a strike on the base uh, uh, housing uh, government troops. And we're talking about this with Letitia Bada, who is Horn of Africa uh, Director at the Human Rights Watch. Talk to us, Letitia, about the brutal methods that they are using to execute their victims and what message, if at all, they may be trying to send uh, by that brutality. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you can imagine, chilling, chilling impact on 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 these these communities, which are you know pretty, pretty uh, rural areas, which already feel very isolated. Um, I mean, just just some of the testimonies we gathered, notably from women. I mean, it it, it was men who were targeted by these killings. Um, and, you know, just, just one woman who described how she basically saw Tigrayan forces arrive on, on the first day they arrived into Chenna town um, and, and took away both her husband but also her brother-in-law. And she basically followed them. She wanted to know where they were going to be taking um, her, her husband. And, and the forces also beat her. She followed them and, and they were telling her not to follow. Um, and, and then they basically asked her husband to carry some of their supplies and and then suddenly one of the, 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 the fighters shot, shot her husband. Mm. Um, but the brother-in-law was let, let to, to go, but, but that she still had no news of what had happened to her brother-in-law when we interviewed her. Wow. So, I mean, as, as we can see, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. 
you, yeah, you, you, I, I mean, as you can see, I mean, this really left. And, and, and one of the issues, so obviously we, we were also speaking to doctors in, in referral towns nearby. Um, it's, you know, it, 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 it's the fear that the community was left in Chinatown in particular. This this carried on for four or five days. So it wasn't only the TKN forces. There was also a lot of heavy fighting in the town. And we were given a whole series of lists where we were not able to confirm how many civilians had been killed um, also in indiscriminate fire as a result of the fighting of the Ethiopian federal government forces, um, Amhara regional forces and the Tigrayan forces. But this was really an insight into, you know, a space where the, the fighters also didn't spare civilians from, from this warfare. Yeah. To make sense uh, to our listeners, are you able, Letitia, to give us a brief summary of what is going on in the area where, uh, you know, people were killed and, and who lives there, for example? Is it different ethnic groups uh, that perhaps may be turning on each other? I mean, this is primarily controlled, uh, primarily um, inhabited by Amharas. So, you know, these all the cases we have documented, these are Amhara civilians who have been killed in, in, in this. I mean, the, the context is, is incredibly complicated. I mean, as we speak, control over um, towns in the Amhara region continues to fluctuate. So it is, you know, and at the same time, as I was mentioning, there is... A deliberate, a deliberate um, attempt by warring parties to make it incredibly difficult to collect information in real time. So, you know, uh, to really understand the extent of the abuses, but also the ongoing needs of communities, it is very difficult. And this isn't only the case for organizations like ourselves who are investigating abuses. This is also the case for the humanitarian community. The humanitarian community is really struggling to do their work in Ethiopia at the moment because of both ongoing fighting, changing control on, on the ground, but also because of the, the attacks they have continued to receive since the beginning of the conflict, the restrictions on access. So all this obviously is having an impact on, and now we're speaking in the Amhara region, these are predominantly Amhara communities. Also, you know, the ability for them to access is, 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 is impeded by this general context of intimidation and harassment of, of humanitarians as well. Mm. So the United Nations uh, and, and, and Human Rights Watch have been calling for the uh, warring sides to protect the lives of civilians, but this call seems to have fallen on deaf ears. What would you say is uh, going on and, and why are the killings uh, con continuing despite this call from the UN? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why we are pushing so much for an independent international investigation is this is a conflict where there has been massive polarization of communities in the country. There has also been massive misinformation. And so one of the key roles of an independent investigation is obviously trying to establish facts in this incredibly polarized environment, an environment of rife misinformation as well. But, you know, one of the, the key concerns with the lack of independent investigations and all the challenges to that sort of work which have been put in place primarily by the federal government since the beginning is that it creates 
a context of impunity. And, you know, more and more in our research, we are hearing how, you know, the suffering which Tigrayan communities in Tigray has has, has um, affected individual Tigrayans is also contributing um, attitudes in the Amhara region and how, you know, that those in positions of command and control have not paid any price whatsoever from this year of immense deliberate attacks on civilians. And this is not only for the first nine months of massive, widespread war crimes and potential crimes against humanity, against Tigrayan communities, it's also by the war crimes that are now being committed, notably by the Tigrayan forces outside of Tigray. Um, and so, I mean, why it's very important for the South African government to, 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 you know, why South Africa is not a member of the Human Rights Council. They obviously have a very important voice in making sure that the African group at the Human Rights Council, which in, in our discussion has repeatedly, you know, echoed the concern of the suffering of civilians. And it is absolutely key that the, the African group and, and the international community as a whole recognizes that suffering by establishing a mechanism which can, as I mentioned, establish fact, but medium to long term start talking about what does criminal accountability look like? What does command responsibility look like? But also what types of transitional justice mechanisms are going to be needed going forward. And that's going to be essential also to go hand in hand with the efforts of the African Union, with the special um, representative or Basanjo, who has been established to help with the mediation effort and and. You know, the outcome of such an effort is is, is obviously um, aiming at some sort of national dialogue. And transitional justice is going to be critical to any all-inclusive national dialogue going forward. And, and, and I think I would like to underline a message we had already been raising before the conflict started. We had already started to see a significantly deteriorating human rights um, situation in Ethiopia before this conflict started. Yeah. And one of the main reasons why we were seeing this was the lack of accountability and the past abuses, but also the lack of establishing, um, you know, strong transitional justice mechanisms. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Letitia Beda, uh, who is Horn of Af Africa Director at uh, Human Rights Watch. Lebo Musso, Gwenzagile Ntlati, our producers. I, uh, <laughs> I forgot... Uh, Bongi Wesowazi is our technical producer today, uh, and she's got this grand and beautiful hairstyle that's uh, looking at me as I'm looking at her. It's a minute past 12, so it's time now for Update at Noon. Sakina Kamwendo is standing by.